you can compound questions on top of questions to still make them feel like they're involved and not make, not just tell them, listen, that's wrong. We're going to do it this way because I said, we're going to do it this way. Yeah. And the more, the more invested they feel, the more invested they're going to be into you. And you're also, well, you're giving yourself a chance to learn as well Mm -hmm. because they may have a really good idea or or what they're doing may actually make a lot of sense even if it's just for their particular circumstance, like if they're the one doing the work, it's not the way I would do it, but it, it sounds pretty good for, for them. It's like, it's working good for them. And I, I find that in training too. Like if you're training somebody, even like you're side by side training somebody on something, I try to do a training style where I'm like, listen, this is the way that I do this. If you can find a, a way to do this faster and still get the same result, that's great that, you know, and, and I would even learn from that possibly, mm-hmm. but this is the way I do it. So this is the way I'm going to train you to do it. And you're going to have some people who are like, well, I want to do exactly the way you do it because that's the way it, you know, that's the way it's done. And those people are kind of, maybe the people you have to micromanage a little bit, you know, because they don't, they want to do it exact. They want to do exactly what they're told and go home. That's yeah. kind of what they want. Right. Versus you have some people who may right off the bat be, trying to figure out different ways of making this faster and getting the same result. And those are the people you're probably going to be pushing up the rankings a little faster because they're the ones that are really thinking mm-hmm. about how can I benefit, how can I benefit? How can the company benefit? How can we, you know, do things better? Right. The Cerebral Entertainment Podcast. Podcast. Thank you for checking into this edition of the Cerebral Entertainment Podcast. Before we get started, I just wanted to remind all of you out there to go to buyjack.com slash CEP to pick up all of your CEP network gear and also visit truenutrition.com for all of your nutrition and supplement needs. And when you check out, be sure to use the code CEPN for a 5% discount on your total order. All of that information is in the show notes to this episode. Now for this episode, Colt and I sit for yet another riveting chat where we discuss topics including our picks in the NFL football playoffs, the Netflix documentary Don't F with Cats, and Cats in general, YouTube rabbit holes, some politics, and then we dive into the topic of leadership styles and what it means to be a good leader. We hope you enjoy this episode and our efforts to keep your brains warm out there. So without further introduction, here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to yet another riveting edition of the Cerebral Entertainment Podcast. I am James, and with me as always is my good friend Cole. Yes, sir. How you doing, sir? I'm good, dude. Yeah? Uh-huh. There's a lot going on in the world nowadays. There was. There is. There is. It's happening, man. It's going down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot of stuff. Including, I need, okay, so we're podcasting during football. That is true. What's your predictions today? Who's up first? Cleveland and KC, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gonna have to go with KC on that one. Okay. You? I, I'm there. Yeah. I'm there. And what about this evening's game? We've got Tampa Bay versus New Orleans. New Orleans. We've got the two veteran quarterbacks going at it. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady, you can never count him out. But Drew Brees is a badass too. So what do you got there? I wouldn't be surprised either way. I hope New Orleans pulls it out. I think New Orleans is gonna pull it out. They are playing in New Orleans. Yeah. But I don't know how much of a factor that is this year. I don't know if we've talked about that or not, but I don't know if like home field advantage, how much of a factor is that this year? How much of a factor is that this year? Not counting open domes, right? Because open the domes weather. are always going to be a, a factor, right? But you know, you have your stadiums like KC and Seattle, who, where you know quarterbacks complain that they can't even hear themselves think because the stadium's so loud. Yes. Now they've only got 
you know, barely any people in the stands anywhere. So that's something that I noticed last night whilst watching the games. Mm-hmm. The the noise factor is not a factor, you know, for the, for the the visiting team. Usually, the guy, like you said, can't hear, can't hear the the or the the team can't hear the calls being called by the quarterback. It's it's a non-factor, man. You've got maybe what? What did you say? Maybe five thousand people in the stands last night for that game. Maybe maybe ten, maybe maybe. That was the, that was the L.A. in uh, yeah, yeah Green that, Bay that Packers, game, yeah, uh-huh, right? Uh-huh. Which the Packers pulled it out, which I was happy about. Yeah, I was I'm always happy to see the Rams lose. Now I am I hold grudges. I hold a lot of grudges, and I will forever hold a grudge. Not that it was the players' fault. But it's the team, so you know, as goes the the owner, goes the team for me. Uh, I'm mad at the Rams for leaving St. Louis. I thought it was shitty how they did everything. You know, he wouldn't build the team while it was in St. Louis, so he could get the justification to move to L.A. I'm not going to get into all that right now. I'm just pissed off at him still. So anytime the Rams lose, I'm good. I still hold a grudge against Albert Pujols. Always will. <laughs> Always will. Yeah, I I don't know if I have a grudge, but I was. I'm torn this year on what I wanted LA to do because as much as I don't really want to see LA win games, I kind of wanted to see them go to the Super Bowl with KC. Right. Now, you know what would have happened, our luck, they would have went to the Super Bowl and KC wouldn't have made it somehow or they would have lost to Cleveland today. And then now LA is in the Super Bowl and we're all pissed off still. Right. But if... KC and LA could have went to the Super Bowl and KC could have dominated. It would have been a little bit of comfort for Missourians, mm-hmm. I think. Maybe. I, Maybe. I like I like where you're going with that. Yeah. I, I would like to have seen. I've always wanted to see the Cardinals and Yankees in a World Series, mm-hmm. just basically for the same reason. Not that the Yankees, I don't have a grudge against them. They were just that dominant team for so long, mm-hmm. and, and the Cardinals haven't played them in the World Series since you know whenever. Cardinals Royals. World Series would also be great again. Which we almost had. Was uh, it last year or the year before? Year before. Mm-hmm. I think so. Whenever the Royals won, I guess, was that, you know, the Cardinals didn't quite make it, right? I think it was two years ago. Yeah. But yeah, that's just the, the I 70 series happened mm-hmm. in 1985. And I remember that series and the call, the call that cost the Cardinals the. The entire series in game six, I believe it was. It was a hmm. call at first base. I believe it was Willie McGee was obviously safe, and they called him out, and we ended up losing. I don't really begrudge the Royals for that so much, but I would like to have a, a redemption series. 25 um, years later? It, yes, yes. <laughs> but uh, other than that, I just think it would be cool. I, I, I like the Royals, though. I'm, I'm a Royals fan. Um, I don't remember that because I wasn't born. What year were you born? 88. 88, really? Yeah. My goodness. Mm-hmm. You're, you're just a pup still. A little bit, cool. yeah. That's okay. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Keep me a pup as long as I can be a pup. No doubt. No, that's good. I wish I were still a pup. I'm a pup at heart, though. That matters somewhere, somehow, it I'm does, sure. It does to me. Just like Brandy <laughs> said, you know, age ain't nothing but a number or something like that. Who said that? Brandy. Brand, who's Brandy? Also predates your time, I guess. She the was a singer. singer. Oh, okay. Yeah. That Brandy. Yeah. I got you. Okay. She, yeah, she went out with Kobe. I think oh, they really? went to prom together. Really? I believe so. Hmm. Yeah. That's cool. Look it up. I know you're a Kobe fan. Mm-hmm. I am. So, and that, I'm, I was really, really wondering who he went to prom with. <laughs> <laughs> now you know. <laughs> Thanks to the Cerebral Entertainment Podcast. Yeah, you know this. things you don't care to know. <laughs> 
But yeah, I'm excited to watch. I guess we'll be able to watch the evening football game because right now we're recording as KC is whipping the ass of Cleveland. Oh, are they? I don't know. I'm oh, just assuming. Just... <laughs> uh-huh. just, okay. just making assumptions, but yeah, I, I think so. You're going to look bad whenever this comes out if we if they lose somehow. Maybe, but it wouldn't be the first time I've looked bad, and I'm sure it won't be the last. We can edit. <laughs> we can edit it out. <laughs> I guess. I don't, I don't mind looking like an ass sometimes. But yeah, I just don't, you know, I, I want to watch the game, but I don't want it to take up too much of my time because I am heavily invested in the Netflix documentary, Don't Fuck With Cats. I'm still confused. Is it is it just trending now or is it like saying that it's popular on Netflix or something? Is that where it popped I, in your feed? I guess, because I didn't go looking for it. Because it was like almost a year and a half, two years ago that that came out. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not like downplaying it. Like it was, it was a phenomenal show to watch and was really intriguing. But it just—I'm I'm surprised it's just now getting around to you. I don't know. Or I'm, you're I'm, getting around to it. I'm whatever. a little slow. I'm a little slow about <laughs> things. But the the show is very interesting, and just just the way it builds up because you know these animal rights activists catch this this guy who is you can't see his face or anything Mm -hmm. you can just kind of see the outline of his bone structure of his face and things like that but he's he's killing kittens on you know on video and posting them to youtube i think is where it was at and the way he was killing them was brutal he was vacuum sealing them and suffocating them out these little kittens Mm -hmm. and like the the one guy, the one activist, he had a sister who was a psychologist and she kind of analyzed everything about what was going on with the killing of the kitties. And um, she noted how like he would first love on the cat first, you know, give it some love and pet it. Mm-hmm. Then he would suffocate it. Right. And and so the psychologist told her brother, she's like, he's not done. He's not going to stop with just kitties. And so I don't want to give too much of a spoiler. You know, I don't want to spoil mm-hmm. for anyone. Right. But it, it does escalate and the search for this guy and all the things that like his internet presence played a, a huge factor. And it was just, I highly recommend don't fuck with cats. And I also highly recommend not fucking with cats because I like cats. I am a cat fan. Yeah. I have a cat. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Your cat is huge. <laughs> and she hadn't always been that big. It's like one day I came over and all of a sudden your cat had like tripled in size. Yeah, I, I've been saying that they, all she does is eat, and when she's not eating, she just cries to eat. Hmm. And it's not like we're not feeding her. <laughs> Obviously. But, yeah, I don't know. It's weird. Everybody's like, it's just a winter coat. And I'm like, I, that's a that's a big coat. It's not, though. When you pick her up, she's hefty. <laughs> I mean, she's got a, a nice thick coat, but she's also, she's got some meat on her, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, man, she she is not lacking for food. Right. But she's beautiful. I, I like her, and I bonded with her a little bit last night. Um, I like cats a lot. Cats each have their own personality, mm-hmm. right? Like a dog. I, I love dogs too, but dogs are a man's best friend. You always pretty much know what you're getting with a dog unless they've been mistreated. You know, they'll lick you up and down. And most dogs, other than, you know, Juice, he hates me. But most dogs will come up and they'll just, they'll give you all the loving that you could possibly want, you know, mm-hmm. that you need. They just, they're happy to be around humans. Cats aren't always like that. Cats, a lot of times they would just rather not be around <laughs> people. Yeah. Um, but some of them are, some of them are lovely. We have a kitten at home now and she's a great kitty. You know, she, uh, you can tell because like when she reaches out, 
sometimes she'll reach out to play, but she, she'll be really gentle and she won't use her claws. You know, as a kitty, it's not like she's had that much training, but she just knows that we're her caregivers and she doesn't want to hurt us. And Mm -hmm. she understands that her claws do that. Right. And so it just amazes me that she has that kind of intuition, that kind of insight Mm -hmm. not to want to hurt, but she'll, you know, use her paw and just pull your hand closer or if she wants to be petted, you know, but she won't reach out and do one of those because she doesn't want to hurt you. Yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) I love cats. You think that's what they're doing, or are you just digging too far deep into it? No, I don't think so. You don't think so? I've had a lot of exposure to cats. Grew up with cats because I had two sisters who always had cats. And, yeah? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yep. Some cats will scratch you. Some cats would rather scratch your eyeballs out than right. look at you. Right. And so, like I said, each one just kind of has their own personality, and it also has to do with the, the way you raise them, right? If you play with them too rough when they're kittens and things like that, they tend to be a little more scratchy and brutal and uh, antisocial, perhaps. Some of them are just like that anyway, though. It just They have a, a disposition. They have a demeanor that they're born with, just like kids. Kids, you know, you think, man, if I raise this kid just like this, I'm going to do this, this, and this, and you've got it all planned out. And then they'll throw a wrench in the system, and you're like, where did that come from? It's just like they're born <laughs> with this this personality and, and this attitude or, or yeah. this you know perspective or whatever. You're like, where did that come from? I didn't raise you like that. And then school, I'm sure school, like when they go, when they get old enough to go to school and things like that, that was, there was another wrench into things because now you're not the only environment mm-hmm. that they have. There's another environment where they learn different things. And right. Yeah. Yeah. And then you've got YouTube, like my, <laughs> my son, he's, he's nine, he's a potty mouth and he doesn't hear me and his mom talk like that. It's because he gets it from the internet. And so I've got to, I've got to watch him, you know, I've got to monitor his what he's watching mm-hmm. and it's, it's kind of hard to do sometimes because we try to try to limit as much as possible you know the 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 phone is a great babysitter sometimes if you're not paying attention you know if you're not paying enough attention to your child and what they're doing it's easy for for my son to go down a rabbit hole starts out just watching something you know harmless and watching other people play video games or watching some silly cartoon that he thinks is funny um, but then as he goes along, you know, the suggestions, he'll go down this rabbit hole. Next thing I, I hear you know, some gamer or somebody playing a game and just using all kinds of mm-hmm. foul language. And then, of course, my son being the sponge that he is, he's a he's an information sponge. Like he knows things. He just pops off with things. You know, he's like one time he's like, hey, dad, did you know that differences in atmospheric pressure causes your ears to pop? And just out of nowhere, I was like, well, that makes sense, son. Actually, I did know that, but I wasn't thinking about it. Anyway, he's a, he's a sponge of information, but not just good information, also yeah. bad information, <laughs> right? right? So yeah. it all gets in there and, and circulates. And then I get a note from the teacher saying, um, your son's dropping the F-bomb again today at school and yada, yada. Could you please <laughs> talk to him? Maybe, yes, I'm sorry. Sorry again, Mrs. So-and-so. <laughs> well, I've gotten, uh, I mean, I haven't gotten trouble for it or anything like that, but, uh, you know, there's some times where I'm at work when I'm, uh, uh, I won't have like headphones in. I'll just have the computer on and I'll just turn it on YouTube and I'll type in something. Uh, whether like if I want to listen to music, I'll type in, you know, nineties alternative music or whatever, and then just have that playing in the background while I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah. And then, you know, I don't, I, if I'm getting into working and I'm not paying really attention to what the, what it's going on, you know, an hour later, it's hard telling what's, what they're talking about or, you know, cause it's not a music video anymore. It's, you know, conspiracy theories about something or, you know, it, it, it can get pretty wild if you don't, if you're not really paying attention and it's weird. I got, I don't know how that algorithm actually works, but it's, it, it, it blows my mind. Yeah. 
because in, and I guess like it can take like words. So like maybe this word was in the title of this video. So now we're going to go here because that word's in this one and you know, things like that. Like it, cause it's like, it's supposed to be like, like videos or there's some reason why it ties the next video to the one before it. Mm-hmm. And then like the farther you, the deeper you go, the less it, you know, matches that first video that you were watching. Yes. Yeah. It's crazy. Then you're wondering how you got there. Mm -hmm. You're like, what the, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. You've got to be careful, especially when you've got the kids on there. And so we, we monitor it a lot more closely now than what we did before because you live and learn, I guess. And I've known about the rabbit holes, but I just never put two and two together when it comes to the kids. So something else on my plate, you know, that I've got to, to manage. But there, but there's also, I mean, a lot of good that comes from watching YouTube videos and stuff like that. Like you said, your son's a sponge. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of good things that he can be, you know, watching and stuff. But it's, I guess, just hard to, unless you're right there in front of him while he's watching stuff, it's hard to monitor what he's actually. But, but uh, you know, we were talking yesterday, don't they, they have an app where you can like control, like turn their phone off or turn it on or let them use the internet whenever you want them to kind of thing. Right. Can you also monitor like what they're on at a certain time? So, like, say you're on that app now. Can you see what your son is watching on YouTube right now? Does it do that or no? I don't know. Oh, okay. I mean, I would think that there's something out there like that. Mm-hmm. I think the one, the app that we have, it just shuts their phones down when it's, you know, no more tech time. Gotcha. Right? So, we, we just shut it down. And that's that's effective enough, but you just have to pay, you know, you have to pay a lot of attention to what your kids are doing. Um, hopefully, there's an app. And I, now that you mentioned that, that's a good idea. Hopefully there's something like that where we can monitor a little more closely, like in real time, what he's actually watching. Mm -hmm. That would be helpful. That way we don't have to helicopter all the time over him just to provide that oversight. But, you know, at the end of the day, you've got to find some way to watch what those little boogers are doing because they'll, it doesn't take no time. And there's so much good information on, on YouTube. Like we were talking about last night, learning how to just do whatever, you know, putting floor in, building walls, you know, fixing your washer, fixing your dryer, Mm-hmm. whatever. I mean, if, if you want to do it, it's on there. Like I was mentioning last night too, I can look for different, you know, cognitive behavior therapy approaches and, and kind of see someone who's doing it in action so that I can kind of see what it looks like. Uh, it, it's just a wealth of information, but not, not all information is good. You know, a lot of information is not good. Yeah. I've also found myself falling into the trap of, I guess it's not a trap, but it's just like what it seems like people are doing now is like patience is a very hard thing to come by with most people now. And I'm the same way. If I, uh, like I was trying to put in a screen door and I turn on YouTube and I'm trying to find out the best, you know, the best way to do it, this, that, and the other. Mm. And if, if there's not much going on in this video in the first 20 seconds, I'm going to the next video. Like I, I have no, and then if I like high speed scrub to like the middle of the video, it, I could have passed it or I could have not been gone far enough or whatever, but I'm like, ah, oh, the next video will probably tell me, you know, and I, I have, I just have no patience. My patience is gone. I don't know why, but I think it's just like the time we live in now. Like it, it's just, everything's on our fingertips. And when it, we can't have it right now, it, it just, it angers, angers me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Angers the blood. Yeah. We need instant gratification. I think that is a direct result of the technological age that we live in, mm-hmm. you know, because we're so used to, it's ridiculous. You know, I remember when, like, the internet first came to our area. You know, it was dial-up, mm-hmm. and it was ridiculous, right? I think about it sometimes. 
the pages would load so slowly. Like you had to, I mean, waiting for 30 seconds to a minute for a page to load was, that, that was just common. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, if there's a couple seconds delay when I'm trying to get to something, I, I get mad, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, what's up with this internet? You're supposed to be, you know, here right now. I want the information before I can even, you know. I, w- I want 86G internet right now. Exactly, right? Yeah. Faster than I can think about it. That's how fast I need it. Technology has spoiled us like that. I mean, it just continues. Things just keep getting easier and easier. But the consequences also keep getting more and more significant, right? Mm -hmm. The consequences of, well, just, just like the information coming to my son, that's a consequence of just the easy technology. But also, you know, the hacking, you know, the, the lack of privacy, all of these things, the threats that are potential and a lot of them are real, you know, I don't know if you've ever had any instances where your computer was hacked or you caught a virus or something like that. It sucks. And and people can really do some damage. It's funny. I got an an email. Uh, It's one of those spam emails, which I knew, but it was very, it was good, right? (laughs) It was good. I don't know if I've ever mentioned it to you, but um, this person said that he hacked my Zoom account, right? And he said there was a there was a, a free day on Zoom where security was all down because they were restructuring yada yada. He said while that was happening, I hacked your computer and your your computer wasn't on, but I um, infiltrated your your camera on your computer and caught you. Well, let me just say working on yourself. This is how it was worded, right? Mm-hmm. So in other words, it was an email that said that they you know actually caught me masturbating, right, yeah. jacking off. And uh, he said, and he's like, don't blame yourself, though. He's like, this is, or he said, don't blame yourself or don't blame me. This kind of thing's just, you know, it just happens. But you're going to send me $2,000 in Bitcoin to this blah, 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 or else I'm going to expose this to everybody in your contacts list. So, of course, the first thing I thought was, man, did did I have my computer open? You know? (laughs) Right, yeah. For a second, you're like, that's impossible. But yeah, for a second, you're like, but you know what that, you know what that was, right? They just recreated the Black Mirror episode. Yeah. That's the exact Black Mirror episode. Yeah. The exact same scenario, except for they have like multiple people that are doing like errands for them and stuff and, right. do, and doing things because they're afraid that their parents are going to get emailed. Uh-huh. And then, spoiler alert, and they do all this stuff. And then in the end, they still send the email. Right. But this is legit. Like they actually hacked your ca- the camera and actually have the video of them doing it. Yeah, they actually provided the evidence on yeah. Black Mirror. Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, this was not that. And it was interesting. I was actually talking to some other people, and I, I heard all kinds of people got that same email, you know. So, mm-hmm. it, I, you know, it's, I, I just thought it was funny. He was very creative and just very matter-of-fact. He's like, you know, look, don't blame yourself. Don't blame me. This kind of <laughs> shit just happens. But I'm going to expose you if you don't send me $2,000 yeah. in Bitcoin. It's like, sympathize, like want, sympathizing with you somehow but I'm still going to blackmail you. Uh, Yeah. That's weird. Yeah, It's like you personalized it. I thought it was a good approach. Yeah. If you're going to try to, you know, take somebody's money. Right. I thought that was sweet. My question is, I wonder how many people actually fall for that, you know, for that kind of thing. I don't know. You know, for a long time they had, there were scenarios like that where it always ended up being like the 60 or 70 year old woman who doesn't really know how to work a computer anyways, but is so scared and, you know, ends up transferring the money or whatever. But I feel like we're away from that now. I feel like we're probably like 10 years past that to where now most people understand that that's 
ludicrous and maybe but maybe not maybe i mean because i I hear you i I feel that way too because i've been in the know with things like that for about a decade if not longer Mm -hmm. like you just you could pinpoint kind of the the scam right Mm -hmm. um and i would think that everybody else was caught up to that too i I don't know though because that they still send the emails out and they're still trying and i would assume that if it wasn't effective then they wouldn't try anymore like, you know, maybe, maybe there's a not. lot of people out there. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, you, yeah, that, that, that's I, kind I of was, my point too. There's so many people out there. It, there's probably still some effectiveness to those maybe. kinds of you know those scams. Yeah, um, I got another one on, from Amazon. It looked like it was from Amazon, but it was in broken English. You know, it was cracking me up. <laughs> you know, it's like if if you're going to try to pull off a scam, make sure that the English isn't broken because right. obviously. I'm not going, you know, my Amazon account's been shut down probably a thousand times, you know, mm-hmm. according to these emails, these scam emails, and uh, very interesting. But Well, you mentioned Bitcoin a while ago. Have you heard, there was two stories recently that I heard about Bitcoin. Uh, one of them, and I don't know, I don't have all the information on this, you'd have to research it, but there's one story about a guy who, I guess when he set up his Bitcoin, he has like $2 million in Bitcoin sitting sitting there to be, to for him to get, but... However, in the beginning, when he set this Bitcoin up, you basically have 10 chances for a password. And if you at once that's done, it's gone. Like you don't you have no access to it anymore. Ever at all. Ever. Wow. It's gone. And he's on eight. And he can't remember what it is. And apparently it's like it's not just like a password that you made up. It's like a phrase, like a 12 word phrase or something along those lines, mm. like something crazy. Which is really, I don't know, that whole thing's just weird to me that Bitcoin would set up something like that. Yeah. But that's one story that I was that I was told. The other one was a guy who had all the information on his hard drive like five years ago and wasn't thinking about it and threw his hard drive out. And now apparently for like the past five years, he's been trying to get the landfill to let him come in and try to find it and get them to help him find it. And I'm thinking, I don't think that's going to work. Like the the hard drive itself probably does not work now. It's probably been rained on and all this other kind of stuff. Like I doubt it. You're not going to be able to plug it in and there's my information. Wow. And he had a bunch of Bitcoin on that. Yeah. Millions of dollars worth. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But I, but I still, I still don't understand how Bitcoin works. I I mean, I understand it's like a cryptocurrency, um, but I, I don't know exactly how it works or anything like that. Yeah. I don't either. Weren't we going to have a cryptocurrency guy on the show once? Yeah, we were. He stood us up. Yeah, he did. We, yeah, we were ready for him. And, and they, uh, he had a person who was reaching out, yeah. trying to get on shows. They actually reached out to us, and then we were ready and never could get a hold of him. Right. But, I mean, he was working in multiple countries and different things like that. Would have liked to have had that conversation with him, though, just because it is mystical to me because I don't know how that stuff works either. But if you compare it to how the money system works in general— I mean, this piece of paper that says $20 on it is worth something. Right. But really, that piece of paper isn't. Right. You know, it, it's yeah. just a it's a representation of this agreement that we have that I'm going to give you this piece of paper and you're going to give me that that product or that service. Right. And we're going to call it evens. Yeah. I mean, it just really, if, if you really think about it and dive in it, it just really doesn't make sense. Does cryptocurrency intrigue you? Um. I don't know if intrigued is the right word. I'm, I'm a little curious about it because I'm, I've known some people. I know some people who have made a little bit of money off of that and off of just, you know, piddling around with stocks. Like you can get an app on your phone and trade stocks now, just penny stocks. Mm-hmm. And, and I have a, a, I know somebody who 
didn't have any Christmas money and played around with some stocks and, you know, ended up selling for like, he made like $500 and was able to buy Christmas. I was like, well, that's, that's pretty cool. Wow. You know, I, I, I've been to the casino and did that one time. I didn't have any rent money. I didn't have enough. I think I had like just under a hundred bucks. My rent was like five something back then. I went to the casino and had a good night and was able to pay my rent and actually eat. Nice. That too. And that's a, I mean, you don't have that story very often. Usually uh-huh. you take your rent money, you lose it all, then you go sleep out in the street. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so that, I thought that was a pretty good story. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe I'll check into that. But there's just so much going on right now. And they say maybe the cryptocurrency is going to be the, the new thing, the wave of the future to protect your money. Because when, you know, with America and the turmoil that it's in, in the world, um, the financial markets are just a sitting dunk, a sitting duck. And, uh, you know, of course, you've got the uh, you've got the impeachment coming up, uh, which I guess it passed through the House, and now I, I guess they're going to go through the impeachment trial. Um, how we, how fast can all that happen? I mean, we we're three days away, as of right now when we're recording, mm-hmm. we're three days away from inauguration of Biden, right? Actually, entering, entering office. Yes. The, yeah, the impeachment's a process, so they're not. The goal is not. It, it's symbolic to some degree, I guess. They're going to finally stick it to Trump. Like, you know, this is in his face. It's like, you, you're not going to get by with this again. But if, but if it's, I guess my question is, can he still be considered impeached past Wednesday? Yes. He can? Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah, because I guess that's why they're pushing through the trial. The, the impeachment itself, it has more ramifications than just not sitting in office as a current president. It's not just the removal. It also uh, compromises his pension which is for a lifetime, compromises his ability to uh, be reelected, uh, which you know people are already saying that he'd like to run again in 2024, which mm-hmm. I think is ridiculous. But I wouldn't put it past him because he, he does whatever he wants to do. Yeah. And then it also compromises his ability to have secret service detail over the course of his life, which most or all retired presidents have. And, and so if they could take those things away from him, plus the symbolic you know, spit in his face with ha ha, we got you impeachment. Then that's what they're after. Yeah. It's not, it's not the removal of office. Like you said, we have the inauguration coming up this upcoming Wednesday, January 20th, um, which is going to, you know, by the time this episode drops, that will be in the past. But I am wondering, do you think that, uh, cause there, there's a lot of talk about, um, all the extra security detail and whatnot around the inauguration, around even just the, the state capitals, and especially, you know, in Washington, D.C. Do you think the world or the, the country is going to burn? Um, you think you think the, so the basically, crazy basically, right is going to rise up and try to stop this inauguration from happening? I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, it's it's anybody's guess, really, I guess, but... It makes me think about the whole, which the episode hasn't, as of now, hasn't come out yet, but it'll come out Wednesday. Um, and by the time people listen to this, it'll be in the past. But, you know, the whole Capitol riots deal and how the media, some people say that it it was, you know, terrible and awful. And then other people say it really wasn't that bad. Uh, and, you know, media has just blown it all out of proportion. Mm-hmm. So I've kind of, I'm, I'm curious to see what's going to happen. But, I mean... From what we were told, there was a what a six o'clock curfew, and everybody was gone by six o'clock. I yeah. mean, that's a you can you can riot, but not only until six o'clock, yeah. and then they were gone. Now, is it going to be the same people? I don't know. You right. know, it, it's hard. It's hard to tell. Yeah, and you know, with the the DC riots, there was some some death. Right, there was a protester who was shot, 
by police. And then there was a policeman who was hit over the head with a fire extinguisher that also died. And those are the only two that I can see that were actually confirmed. I've heard up to five, but I, I couldn't confirm that. But those two people died. So that's, you know, that's something. And it's, you know, we, we don't want to minimize any loss of life. But Absolutely. I don't think that, I, I don't think the world's going to burn on the inauguration. I think it's just the media is once again hyping it up. Uh, the media is so good at dividing the people. And they do it because it's it's the ratings. It's the excitement. It's, you know. So people keep watching the news, and so they keep talking about it, and so they're just glued to the to the media, which is that's the media's job, just to keep you coming back. And I'm like, yeah, but the problem is, is that people still like we don't, me and you don't understand what is really being like with the like anything, any any of the riots or any of the you know stuff being robbed and all that kind of stuff over the past few years. I look at it, I'm like, still, what was achieved by any of that happening? Mm. You know, and it's the same situation now. Is are thing, are, is things going to burn? People have different perspectives than we do. And they think that, uh, I guess, whatever they want to be achieved is being achieved by them going out and doing this and taking advantage of, of it. So I'm not, you say you don't think anything's going to burn. I don't know. Because I, I, can't, I can't make a firm... Like, I, I can't give a firm opinion because I, it's hard telling because I don't, I have found out 100% that I have a different mindset than most people out there. Yeah. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they, you know, they think that they can go and uh, steal shoes out of a store and they succeeded in something by doing that. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know. Well, they got a new pair of shoes. I mean, they did succeed with that. You know. That's true. But you, you know what I'm saying? Though, I, right? I do. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, in my prediction is just I don't know. I think and I you know once again predictions. You know you you could be right, you could be wrong. Yeah. My prediction is just that it's it's going to be hyped up. the The media is gonna you know they're gonna focus on this this uh, Trumpster insurrection. You know this this thing that's happening. Just like I, I believe the the political landscape is doing the same thing. Not that I I'm not even trying to take up for Trump. I, I'm I'm not I'm ready to move on to the next episode to be honest with you and, and just see what what comes next. I guess um, my apathy is still so strong that I'm just kind of I'm just sitting back and watching it all go down. Right. To an extent, I'm not spending too much time watching it because I got better things to do, man. And there's nothing I can do to change it. There's nothing I can do to stop it. You know, there's there's no movement that I could lead that's going to change the the direction of the country. Um, I don't really have a choice but to sit back and watch it. So I'm not going to let it like take up too much of my mind yeah, space. But people people can come back at you with that though, right? Like, you know, it's people with mindsets like that that makes no change happen, mm-hmm. right? You know, mm-hmm. they they say you sure. have to have people that have the gumption and the fortitude to say, to say the opposite of everything that you just said. Sure. Like I can do this. I can, you know, I can force change and things like that, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know that me and you are the people to be doing that. <laughs> I'm definitely not. I'm definitely not. Not now. You know, and like I said, I'm trying to make my slow reintroduction to the, the political landscape. Mm-hmm. It, it just as far as like, keeping track and, and, and keeping score of what's going on. Cause this past year in 2020, I just, I mean, I ducked out. I, I didn't watch the news hardly at all. Barely kept up with the news outside of COVID, you know, just because it has a lot of consequences in my industry and just in general with society. But 
as far as politics, man, I, I, I couldn't really tell you much of what happened in 2020 because my apathy just grew to an extent where I just didn't care anymore, like like really at all. Yeah. And that might be kind of sad for some people. Well, how could you affect change if you're going to have that kind of – what if everybody had that attitude? Then the government would just roll all over us. Yeah, that, that's probably right. That's probably true. But I, I think that it's also – it's not just my – my attitude toward it. I think the conditions have caused me to have that kind of apathy, that kind of attitude, Yeah, you know, because there are, so, and, and you talk about people who really believe in what they're doing. You've got two very, very different sides of a continuum who are fighting with each other. And they believe that in what they're doing, they believe that their way is the right way, mm-hmm. right? They're, they're trying to enact change. They're trying to affect change by storming the Capitol building. Right. Is that the right thing to do, though? Well, probably not. But they believe in what they're doing. Mm-hmm. It, you know, was it right for, you know, any other kind of riots and, and, and looting and things like that? No, probably not. But, you know, they, they believe that their their actions were justified. You know, they believed in that. So just because you believe in it doesn't mean it, it's, it's the right thing to do. I think sometimes, if, well, for me, for my own sanity and just for my perspective, I think sitting back and just watching it all go down was the right thing for me honestly at this at this point in time what do you you mean there's the right thing well just not to get too involved or invested in it i gotcha even even with the podcast with talking about it too much i I didn't want to invest too much time or talking about it because the sides are so divisive and and the issues are so polarizing it's like you say the wrong thing and you get burned at the stake so to speak you know You, you you're ousted from polite society if you will and it's just i don't i don't really want to walk that tightrope right now you know mm-hmm. um and to be quite honest with you i think i kind of kind of rinsed my palate so to speak when it comes to views and when when i am reintroducing myself back into these topics i think i'm going to have a fresh perspective because i haven't really had a perspective all this time and so I, i'm ready to just take it take some things in so is that like grow. so is that like in general like you you don't I mean do you still lean one direction over the other or do you are you like coming back at this like I'm in the middle and I'm going to try to get information from all different sides and see where I end up Does that make sense Yeah and I've always kind of been in the middle though it's like different different issues um, affect me different ways like for instance I am not very big on gun control. I'm probably not as um, uh, as far out there, to, for the lack of a better phrase, I can't think of one. But I'm not as uh, cavalier as Bryant, who we had on, you know, <laughs> last week, and th- that'll drop, you know, this Wednesday. But um, but but I am. I'm close. You know, I, I don't. You know, I, I don't know. I, I kind of teeter on whether or not background checks are a good idea or not. You know, I, I like the idea of the wrong people having background checks, but I don't like it, you know, when normal everyday citizens have to register their, their weapons. That sounds a little too commie for me. Right. I get the logic behind it. I just don't like the government having that much, you know, information and control, right. which is another rabbit hole. But I, but, I, I, I bet those people that actually have a background that says they should not have a gun feel a lot worse than you do about, or like they feel the same way, but a lot, a lot more intense. Yeah. Like I, I don't want to have to <laughs> I don't want to have to register this. I don't want to have to you to run my background check to do this. But but the thing is, those are probably the people that are getting guns illegally anyway. So the the, yeah. the ones that 
or have the clean backgrounds are all the ones that are having to register that the government's keeping track of. So mm-hmm. that's another problem with the whole gun control issue, the the background check issue. It, it doesn't it doesn't really rectify the problem, I don't think. I don't have the numbers to say that it does or doesn't, but, it, yeah, it, but with it, that logic, it seems like it's pretty but that's kinda, futile. That's kind of like the drug, the whole drug thing, right? It's like you make you you make drugs illegal, people get it elsewhere on the dark, you know, black market or whatever, mm-hmm. or you know, just from a dealer down the street or whatever. Yeah. But if you make it legal, then there's some people think that it'll be rampant, it'll be a lot worse, or they think that it'll be, you know, it'll make things calmer. And less people will do it because it's so mm-hmm. easy to get a hold of. Yeah, kind of a thing. Kind of the same same way with guns, right? Uh, kind of, I guess. The problem with guns, though, is that you know something like a, a drug, even whether it's you know something like cocaine. If you made cocaine legal, um, you could actually expect that that crime would lessen because you're not going to have the the same laws apply for you know because you can go get cocaine down at you know Seven Eleven. You know, just say they say they sell it there, wherever, you know, at the head shop, wherever they, they sell cocaine at, you know, yeah. just legally. Um, just like a dispensary, I guess, with pot, you know, yeah. you can just go get it there. Um, so there's not going to be that black market, which, you know, that black market, it, it creates violence. It creates a lot of illegal other types of activity, so on and so forth. But the drug itself is only affecting that person, like in a negative way. Like if you go and you overdose on cocaine, you're not going out and overdosing a mall full of people. With the cocaine, with a gun, that gun has the propensity, it has the potential to harm a lot of other people. And so it's a little bit of a different perspective. Yeah, but I guess if you throw like, you know, which I understand beer is legal, but, you know, same kind of thing, but it doesn't necessarily just affect me. And just like cocaine, if you do cocaine, I'm sure you're not in the, the normal mental state that you would be. So it could affect other people depending on how you react to it or what you do. It could. With it, right? It now, pr- maybe probably not. I don't know. Maybe it may be the same amount of people as a, a gun could. You know, I, I mean, depending on what kind of gun we're talking about, I guess. I'm not talking about going into a theater and, you know, shooting up the place. But right. even if it's just a handgun or something like that, that can affect just one person or it could affect, you know, 100. It just mm-hmm. depends on, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of different ways to take it. There is. But once again, I'm, I'm for, um, I, I'm anti-gun control. It, you know, and I don't mean that completely, but I do. So it, it's it's kind of a touchy subject, but I just don't like I don't like the government having that much of a, a hand in things. On the flip side of that, though, and this is where I kind of teeter on two different sides of of um, I guess the aisle. You know, uh, it's where I kind of meet in the middle, and I step on the left sometimes, step on the right sometimes. But with universal health care, you know, I, I I don't think that universal he- health care is a right. Obviously, it's not in the Constitution, you know, and when you're born into this world, you're not guaranteed anything, right? You're not guaranteed that um, you're, you're going to live past your first birthday or, or much less your, you know, 20th birthday or your 50th birthday. You just don't have those, those guarantees. But I think when a country has its, when it has as much economic wealth as what the United States has experienced, isn't it just a good idea to have everybody on a healthcare system where, you know, it just makes sense to me. Like you just, and I know it's kind of a socialist idea, but I like it. I like the idea that you, you can just, you know, use that pot of money instead of going and, and, and fighting the, the kind of wars that we fight and, and all that, all the wastefulness that we have. And, and I don't know if you've looked at the, they, they were tying it into the, the stimulus check, but it was actually just the, I guess the yearly budget 
but they were talking about all the money going to foreign countries mm-hmm. and, and how it's just ridiculous. Um, the Omni Omnibus bill is what it's called. Okay. But uh, I forget what it was, but there was some kind of like so many millions of dollars going to Pakistan for arts and procurement, something or the other. It's just ridiculous. Wasn't there something in there for going to um, like towards like transgender studies and stuff like that too? Yeah, somewhere over there. Yeah. Um, and I get it. If you've got enough money, it's like, so the world, I mean, we're all like those countries are quote unquote our neighbors on earth. And so you want to try and help out, but it just, it seems fishy, you know, it seems like that's, that's not really what we're supposed to be doing. And I, I think it's the way that it, it's just part of politics. Somebody's paying favors for something that was done or paying for future favors or, or something. Right. And it, it's just kind of ridiculous. My point is though, if we could take and, and really button up with our finances as a country and put that toward healthcare, I just think that's a good idea. Right. It's not that we there's a right or that we deserve it, but I kind of earned it as, as a country, you know. And and just not the richest people should get the 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 super quality healthcare. I think everybody should have access to that. So yeah, it makes just, sense. Just kind of both sides, you know, because that's a very much a more of a left leaning idea. The guns, you know, gun freedom is much more right leaning idea. So I just kind of you know wherever I land, I'm okay with that. And that's that's you're right though. That's exactly the approach I'm taking when I'm reapproaching this whole you know, thinking and keeping up with politics and current events. I'm just going to kind of see what's going on. And, uh, you know, if, if I have a view one way or the other, I'm, that's just how I'm going to view it. I think more people should be like that. I don't want to be super partisan. I don't want to be Republican or Democrat because I think both those parties suck. <laughs> You're not laughing, but it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I digress. It's, you know, the... Right now, our, our leader is of the country. The president of the United States is under fire. He's going to face impeachment, it sounds like. Um, there's talk of you know the country burning with the inauguration, yada, yada. Whether you support the, the conservative ideas, uh, Republican ideas in, in politics or not, I think the, the main thing at question was Trump's leadership style, right? His, his leadership style rubbed a lot of people the wrong way where do you think off the top of your head where did he go wrong how, how did he go so far off base approaching the country like he did you know because i remember back when we first started talking you and i had discussed it's like well you know let's give this guy a chance he's coming from the outside i was ready for a wrench to be thrown in the system you know i was ready just for Something different. I'm tired of politics as usual. This is what I'm saying back then, what 2016, 2017, mm-hmm. whenever we started. Yeah. Um, you know, let, let's let's see what happens. Um, and and so we did. We saw what happened, and I don't think it turned out very well overall. But there are some people who disagree. Like you know, Brian, he said you know some yeah. of the policies, especially the foreign foreign policies, uh, the economic, some of the economic policies were also good. I'm not really digging that deep. I'm just looking at the surface level, like which is probably not a good thing to do, but. I just, I just wonder, you know, a president has a team that backs him, the ca- you know, the cabinet backs him, or, you know, they have a, a lot of input and a lot to say about the, you know, bill, uh, laws that are passed and things like that. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine that Trump had like, a, and maybe I'm wrong, but I can't imagine that he had like a whole lot of a grasp, like a big grasp on most things when it comes to being a president. Like, I think his ego got him into that presidential seat. Yeah. And I think that 
there's a possibility that there's a lot of things that he was blamed for, but for things that went through that he didn't have a whole lot to do with. You know, does that make sense? Like, I think the ca- the cabinet or the people who have been in politics all their life that are around him probably pushed a lot of things through or that he signed off on because he, you know, even though he didn't have a, a as big of a grasp on it as they did. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but in my head that does. Well, it does, but I think that's true of any president. I think, you think? any president, all, they they have so much. They have such a, a, a huge staff. But isn't it? But isn't it different for? <laughs> that was good. Yeah. Uh, but isn't it different for him though? Because like he didn't have a political background going into this. What do you mean? Is it different for him? Because I, I think that because, presidents, they, they, I mean, they're. They they make decisions, but they have a lot of advisors, you know, yeah. and they have a, a lot of people who are bringing them information. And um, I, I think that presidents are given too much heat for a lot of things. I think they're also given too much credit for a lot of things because they're 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 working with a big team, you know, yeah. and they're working in concert, of course, with the Congress too. Congress are the ones that are actually you know writing the laws and passing the laws and then given to the president to either sign it into law or veto it and kick it back. But then they get a majority; they can sign into law anyway. Right. You know, it's that whole checks and balances thing. Presidents, I mean, it's a lot of it's a it's a um, from what we see at least from from the day to day, it's the the figurehead type of position. You know, that ambassador of the country. You know, to the world. And I think that's where most people are. I think most people's opinions of him are based on that surface level, um, that he was a crappy leader because he was a Twitter fanatic and he's rude and makes fun of people and he's uh, unprofessional about a lot of things and sounds like he doesn't really know his stuff very well because of the way that he talks, you know, and just repeats a lot of phrases over and over again. And it's talking a whole lot, but sometimes, a lot of times, not really saying much of anything. You know, and then of course you have the this impeachment basically is about um, they're they're accusing him for inciting this insurrection at the White House the, or the the Capitol building, saying that he was the, he was because of him that's why the Capitol building was stormed like it was because he stirred the pot and caused that to happen. I, that seems. I mean, I'm sure there's grounds. They think there's grounds to or there, there's. I guess they have a leg. They think they have a leg to stand on for this, but must. it seems odd, right? Like, it, unless he was actually calling people to try to make that happen, I don't see how he could be impeached for something that he didn't. Like, Dir- like directly, how, yeah, how could yeah. he have directly caused this to yeah. happen? It's not yeah. like he called all those people and said, "Hey, let's do this." You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. He is. Uh, the only U.S. president, though, and the only holder of any federal office to have been impeached twice. So he is historic. Um, nobody's ever been impeached twice, which that's interesting. I mean, yeah. Um, and it says here, the one week before his term was due to expire, Trump's impeachment by the U.S. House of Representatives of the 117th U.S. Congress came after his attempts to overturn the 2020 United States presidential election, the adopted article of incitement of insurrection cited his January 2nd phone call with Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger and alleged that Trump incited the storming of the United States Capitol on January 6th. So, I don't know. But at any rate, even the Republicans in in the Congress are really, they're voting 
on this impeachment, like to move forward too. I, yeah. I mean, it, it went through pretty pretty readily. So, well, you said you said that he would lose his pension too. Do you think that matters to him? Probably not. It's not like he doesn't have money. Yeah. I mean, didn't he? Uh, wasn't there something about his um, his pay as president? To, did he wait? Did he waive it or something? I think so. I don't think he's taken any money for for being president. Like how how, cra- how crazy is that? Salary, but, you, but nobody's talking about that. Well, or if they are, I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's kind of a drop in the bucket. Plus, um, I, I think they get like they get like I, I don't remember the number. It's an un, insane amount of travel expenses too that's paid after they're after they're retired as well, which will also be taken from him. But the the work that like Obama and um, uh, the Clintons and and I'm sure Bush too, they made so much more money after after their presidency was done. Right? That's where they scored just millions and millions and millions of dollars in speaking engagements, and of course they get right. to travel over the place. I think they get you know just all kinds of freebies just because they they were the president, you know, and that's where the the real big money comes in a lot of times. I think the presidential salary, I mean, it's what two hundred and something thousand dollars a year. Um, something like that. I don't know. Um, and I think the pension is the same. And so that adds up over time. D- does it mean anything to Trump? Probably not. I think more than anything is the symbolic um, nature of the impeachment for him because it's really going to tarnish his reputation as I don't know if that's even possible, but it, but it is a, a thumb in the eye yeah. after all this, you know, from, from the rest of the bureaucracy up there. I, I just can't believe that everything he's fought through in the past four years that he's still saying, I want to run again in four years. Yeah. And I don't know if he's actually saying that, but hmm. there's a lot of talk that he, that he probably would. That's crazy. So, Which I wonder, how old is he? I wonder. He's old. <laughs> <laughs> he is. I think he's in his upper seventies. I, I believe so. But he doesn't act like it. I mean, Biden, he acts like it. Yeah. You know, he acts like an old dude and, there's a lot of people even saying that he's not going to be, um, he's not going to be president for long because he's probably going to. No, he's only seventy four. But still, 70, Bi- Biden you, is seventy eight. Oh my god! Right, so four years. He's eighty two by the time his his term is done. That's that's pretty old, man. Why? Why? Why no do offense, we? But why? I mean, I understand you kind of have to work with what you're given, and as far as. You know, we've been saying that for the past couple of elections that, you know, you work with what you're given, you take, do you want this crappy one or this crappy one? Right. You got to choose, you know, I just, man. Mm-hmm. Do you want your president to be 82 years old leading your con- your country? I don't know that you do. No, but he's got a, a nice young vice president who's ready to take the, the seat if he needs to vacate office. Yeah. So all maybe according to plan, who knows? But Maybe. I don't know. His, his leadership style is definitely going to be a lot different than Trump's. He's going to be a lot more laid back, and he's just going to look like the old the old guy up there, kind of uh, pulling the levers. Um, but he's going to have a lot of people behind him, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, really, kind of guiding the way, and he's just going to be the the figurehead. He's going to be at least that's 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 what I see coming from that. But you know, speaking of leadership styles, you've you've done some some training at work mm-hmm. here lately on leadership. What can you tell me about that? What have you learned about leadership here recently? What kind of insight have you gained? It's like the training we've been doing is a, uh, you do it over months and months and months. I think it's like an eight month program or something like that. And uh, so like the first one that we we went over was uh, like paradigm shifts. 
and kind of like changing your mindset or knowing that like not everybody's mindset's the same. Everybody thinks differently. Everybody looks at different situations differently and kind of like how important it is, especially in a leadership position, not to uh, just jump at things or to kind of, you know, figure out exactly what's going on in somebody else's head before you jump on the situation and figure out, you know, because me and you have both been in situations, I'm sure, where you see somebody do something or say something and you're like, what, how is that possible? How does that possibly make sense? Like that, that because to us, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. But if you talk to them about it and you find out, okay, they think completely differently than me and coming from their perspective, that does kind of make sense. Then you have to meet in the middle somewhere and find out what you need to do from there. Mm. Um, but there was a, a video that we watched and it was this guy who had two kids and he, they were on the subway and the kids were just running around like crazy and everything. And, uh, you know, he's just kind of sitting there on the, on the bench. And, uh, you know, somebody asked him, you know, why aren't, you know, you need to take care of your kids. Why aren't you, why are you letting your kids just run around? And, uh, he basically said, well, you know, we just came from their mom's funeral and they don't really know how to take it, you know, understand it or take it or whatever. And he's like, and basically, I guess I don't either. And it's kind of like, at that point, now you have sympathy for the guy and you're not even thinking about, you know, but you didn't know that before. You just thought this was a lazy guy who didn't want to take care of his kids. Right. Yeah, right. So it, it's perspective in, and also knowing like if you're in a leadership position or a supervisor or a manager or anything like that, knowing that everybody is complete is a lot different from the other person. So you have to adjust to everybody's uh, personality and how people handle things. You know, you can't say the same thing to one person that you can to another because they might not take it as a joke and they may be, it may be a personal you know, thing or something like that, you mm-hmm. know? And uh, it makes me think a little differently because I've always, I've kind of had a problem with, uh, I guess, kind of a, str- a strict thing in my head is like, you know, you, you're working for somebody, they pay you to be here. So you come in and you do the job because you're being paid to be here. But then people want to complain because it's like, well, I'm not getting this incentive or I'm not getting this bonus or I'm not getting this. I'm not getting that, you know, but it's like, you you know, you're asking a lot of a company who is paying you to be here. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like you're not getting a paycheck. You know, you just want all these extra things on top of it. And it's great when companies do all these extra things and give these extra incentives on top of it. But it's, you know, it's not, you know, and, but that same person that might be saying that may be really struggling financially, or they may be really struggling at home, you know, personal life might be crap or something like that. And you don't know unless you actually find out what their personal life's like, but then you have to treat that person differently than you do with the person who's completely financially stable, never complains, you know, all those kinds of things. So mm. it's just, I don't know. I, I thought it was, it would be interesting to talk about because it's, it's just a lot of people jump on situations and jump to conclusions before they know all the facts and before they know what is going on with other people before they do it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. That's good insight. And it, it transcends just like the work environment, mm-hmm. you know, being a leader just as a person, you know, some of the traits that you were just talking about and the approaches that you were talking about could be used just in everyday life. It's mm-hmm. like, I think about it in traffic sometimes, you know, if someone, pisses me off because they did something stupid when they're driving 
and it caused me to miss a light like they did the other day for it looked like no good reason to me they were just sitting there and i know this light is quick and so i'm behind them and i'm not i'm not a honker i'm not going to do that usually <laughs> but man in the car i was i was pretty hot there just for a hot minute but then I, I, you know, I take a step back proverbially and I say, you know what, who knows what kind of day they're having. Maybe they were looking at their phone, which it looks like that was what was happening. And that, that gets to me when you're, when you're driving and you do something stupid because you're not paying attention. I, I have very little tolerance for that. Not that I've probably ever not done that myself at some point in time. I also take that into consideration. That, that's a big thing too. And I, I've been trying over the past, not very long, but over the past short amount of time to think about when I see somebody do something, especially like in traffic, mm-hmm. me think about, okay, have I done that before? And what was the situation that made me do that? Right. Like that exit that's three lanes over there and I'm in that person shoots across traffic mm-hmm. and cuts people off to make that exit. Tell me you haven't done that. And then try to think about why you did that. Mm-hmm. Now, right. is there a possibility that they were just on their phone and they weren't paying attention and Oh crap, I almost missed the exit. Then they do that. Maybe, or maybe they just got a call that their wife's having a baby Right. And they've got to make that exit to get the the hospital as fast as possible or something, you know, along those lines, who knows yes. what that scenario is, but right. you got to take a step back and think, have I been in that scenario? What made me do that? Mm-hmm. And then calm yourself down a little bit from it. Yeah. And in, in traffic situations, things like that, you're never going to usually figure it out. You're not going to know the answer. You're uh-huh. not going to know if their wife's having a baby or if they're just a jackass who was you know, looking at their Facebook account and then realize that their turn was, was right there. You're right. not going to know, but I think to, to take a step back and, and take that perspective to heart, I think is still important because yeah. it, it becomes a habit for you at that point in time. You start to make a habit out of considering the person over the action, mm-hmm. right? Because a lot of people's actions, the, the, if they're just negative or they just suck or whatever, you know, at, at surface level, that's that's all you're going to see. But it, it really pays as a human to try to dig a little deeper and consider the person in spite of the action sometimes, or at least in conjunction with the action, mm-hmm. to make sure that you're not just being judgy or that you're just being short when someone's really having maybe a truly bad day or a bad year. You know, maybe they're just their life has just dealt them a terrible hand and they're just doing the best they can. Um, I, I just think what you, the insight that you gain from that training is is good for life in general yeah. to, to have that perspective on, on a lot of different things. Going back to the work environment, though, it's very important, especially if you're in a leadership position. Now, let's let's differentiate between having authority and and then exhibiting leadership because those are two different things. They can work in conjunction. You can be both. You can have both. A lot of leaders do have authority. But just having authority does not make you a leader. You know, having authority, if I have authority over something, that's just me being able to tell you what to do because you have to do it or else you lose your job or else you get arrested, you know, or, you know, whatever type of position that person with authority is in. You are able to enact that level of power over a person because you, in fact, have that authority. That does not make you a leader. And you can have, you can, you can possess leadership without having any authority over people. You know, it, I think we may have actually discussed this to some degree before. I think so. It seems familiar. It, it does. But I, I was just going to mention in my particular field, uh, and part of my job is as a consultant. And so as a consultant, I, I, the people who do have authority over the, the, the management teams and the staff and even the administration, 
the people who do have authority over those people, I am also their consultant as well. So when basically when I have an idea and I think something needs to be done, I've got the backing to get it done, right? Mm-hmm. But the authority itself doesn't lie within me. But what I don't, what I learned pretty quickly when I first started in this position some years ago was that I don't want to have to go to the powers that be all the time just to try to get something done. I want to get it done just because I I want to be able to work with people, build relationships with people and show them, Hey, this is a, this is something we should do. And let me tell you why. And let me be the first example of how to approach this situation, approach this system or this issue. Let, let me show you, you know, and I'm going to take the first step. And, and so I wanted to, to grow my leadership skills in that way. And I found it to be very effective. And I think now, if I do ever take a position where I have authority, I think I'm going to have it in a much, I, I'm going to have a much better grasp on how to do it with that, that leadership appeal in conjunction with the authority. Yeah. Whereas before I might not have had the, the leadership skills and I would have just been another a-hole with, you know, the power to tell you what to do. Right. And I think, I think all too often in a lot of play in a lot of businesses and things like that, it's not a matter of that. It's more of, okay, well say the supervisor left. Well, we need another supervisor who can do that job. It's not a matter of who has the skills to be able to do that job or who can train other people who knows how to deal with people who knows how to look at different personalities, who knows how to, you know, all that kind of stuff. A lot of times it's, well, we need another supervisor. Uh, I guess the person underneath them will promote them. Not really paying attention to the fact that, okay, they have the skills that they, that we need in this position. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of, we need that. We need somebody in that position. Now let's get, let's move this person up. And then, there are times like you're saying the, these people now think, okay, I have authority over other people. And now it's taking advantage of that versus really learning, you know, and that's what I, that's why I really like what my company's doing is because they're, we're doing these videos and I'm not technically in a leadership position right now. I've been in there and been in one here, but I'm not, I'm not now, but it's, um, management, uh, management there and higher ups, kind of pick and choose the people that they think would be good to go through these different leadership programs and stuff. Right. And basically they are uh, using all of us as the future of the company mm-hmm. kind of thing. Because They're grooming a, you. Yeah, because at a certain point, you know, these man, these managers that are in place now are going to retire and things like that. And they're, they're going to need, you know, people to fill in those spots mm-hmm. or, any, you know, anything can happen to anybody. You know, so they even have like a contingency or is a contingency contingency plan? Is that what it's called? I don't know, but basically a, a list of everybody and then what where they're at in, you know, in line as far as if this per if something happens to this person in a train wreck tomorrow, we got to have somebody who's going to fill that position, right? You know, and then and all those kinds of people that are in that that uh on that list are doing these leadership programs and stuff like that, and so you know even if it's five years down the road. You've been for five years, you've been doing these leadership, you know, uh, program and stuff, and you have a better grasp of like how to treat people and, you know, how to basically all all the different parts that it takes can kind of come together before you get into that position. Yeah, that's smart. Yeah, that's a that's a smart move for the company to do that, because before you got into, you know, the the trainings. I was sitting there thinking that, you know, if someone is just injected into a position just uh, basically because it's needed off the cuff because somebody had to t- fill that spot, 
then there was a lack of grooming there. You always want to be grooming the next generation of people right. as much as possible. And then you, you started talking about how the company is doing just that with those leadership trainings. That's very, that's very smart, yeah. you know, and even in, in my field, we are always looking for like your next manager or your next, you know, administrator or your next something, mm-hmm. right? You're looking for, you're always looking for talent keeping your eyes open for the potential. And, and then you invest some of your time and resources into those people because at some point in time, you're probably going to need them. And for those people also, it can only help to improve them as well. Mm-hmm. Like even if you going through that leadership training, if you don't end up in a leadership position within your company down the road, I still think that you're going to benefit highly from just going through those trainings and having that insight. Uh, maybe it's at another job or maybe just in your life in general. I think mm-hmm. you're going to, you're still going to get that golden nugget that they have offered you. And so it's, it's a win-win situation. Right. Um, Leadership styles, uh, th- there are three main ones that, that I've learned um, uh, over the, the course of time. Maybe in, maybe it was in college. Maybe I, I know I've done some leadership trainings myself. Um, the, the, the three basic ones that I'll bring to mind or I'll bring to the table are um, the democratic, which basically is, is what a leader does is he, he gains a consensus from those who um, are under his leadership and he makes he or she makes a decision based off of that, you know, that input. So it's a democratic style. Everybody's got to say. Then you have autocratic, which is just authoritative, basically. This is the way we're doing things. It's, it's more, you know, it's the authority approach. I'm the boss. I want this done. Do it. Do it this way. I think those folks are probably more apt to micromanage as well. Um, they're going to hover over you, helicopter, and, and, you know, make sure that you're doing exactly the way they want you to do it, not give you any, any leeway, any creative freedom. And then the third is laissez-faire, which is just basically a term where the leader says, okay, uh, this is what I want done. Here's your tools. I'll be over here. Have fun. Right. You know? and, and so they just leave it to your own devices, basically. But it, it allows you a lot of creative freedom, allows you um, a lot of space so that you don't have someone constantly looking over your shoulder and trying to micromanage you at all. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's a, it's a very hands-off approach, too leadership um you're basically there just in case you're needed for something and, and maybe one of the other benefits i think of laissez-faire is just being able for that person who is the leader to be able to step back and not worry about the processes that are at hand the current processes but also to kind of you know conceptualize and look to the future because you you've given yourself the ability because you are laissez-faire in your approach to those under your leadership you can step back and think about other things. Right. And so if you're, if you're doing what you should be doing, if you're smart, you're thinking about ways to improve maybe the company overall or, mm-hmm. or you know, maybe the, the lives of the people. Maybe you're thinking about morale, things like that, because you're not having to manage the day-to-day operations because you feel like your, your people have got that under control. Yeah, and that's where I struggle. I struggle with not having the hands-on approach. Like I have respect for like what you do because you, know, you kind of – in a way, you are the laissez-faire, is that how you say it? Laissez-faire. Mm-hmm. Laissez-faire, sort of, but it's not the, I guess you're not, um, you don't really have a choice in the matter because of like all these different facilities that you, you know, you deal with and stuff. It's kind of like you, you, you can go there sometimes and you can try to take, you know, take care of stuff while you're there and of course be available by phone and stuff like that, but it's still, it's a more of a here's the tools to do what we need to do. I'm here to ask any questions and to guide you, but I, I'm not, you're not there to do the hands-on type stuff, but you can't mm-hmm. really, because you have so much on your plate 
with what you do, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I struggle with the not having hands on, especially in a leadership position because I carry the weight of not only me, but everybody else that I'm managing or that I'm leading. Because if some, if I take that approach of just stepping away, giving them the tools to do it, and then something fails, I still carry the weight of that on me mm-hmm. because, but if I have hands on, then it lessens the blow if something's wrong or something or was done wrong because I was there and I was part of it not being, you know, not being done right. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. 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 And, and you're right. Uh, by the nature of my particular position, because I am stretched out across the state and because I, yeah, I don't have like even the, I don't have the direct oversight or authority over the day to day operations from you know the buildings. I, my home building is where I do have the most hands on approach. Obviously, the home campus, um, but that also because of the nature of that position, I'm also you know when something does go wrong, I feel it. Like if when something goes south, I, I carry that personally, but it's not really shoved upon me by the powers that be because they understand the nature of my position and that, yeah. I, that I'm not everywhere all the time. That I couldn't possibly have stopped this thing from happening because of my position. So given that is, is nice because otherwise I wouldn't be quite so my personal leadership style, I think falls somewhere in between democratic and laissez-faire I don't think being completely laissez-faire is a productive means for a lot of different positions. Now, it's going to differ from a manufacturing viewpoint to a skilled nursing viewpoint to, you know, some kind of an office setting, you know, viewpoint. The different styles are going to meet different needs based on those particular work environments. Um, but I think just in general, my style would be in between those two styles because I do think that getting input from from people the people who you are leading is very important because a it shapes your perspective of the uh, of the people themselves and of your dynamic your relationship with those people but also it kind of helps to shape how the job is going to get done based off of their personalities it also boosts morale when 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 people they know that you're listening to them you you give them a a chance to to uh, have a voice it causes them to want to f- First and foremost, they they adhere more to your leadership, but they also take the job more seriously. They also have more investment into whatever it is that they're, that they're doing. So I think the democratic style is super important in in most fashions like that. After that, though, I'm not a big I'm not a big uh, proponent of micromanaging. Though I, I don't want a helicopter. I don't want to hover too much because I know, and people are different. Some people need that, and if people need that, then I I, I can give it. You know, it's a tool I can use, but just my default style, I don't want to be hovering over you because I don't like when I'm hovered over, really. Right. You know, I'd rather you give me a little bit of space, tell me what you need done, give me the freedom to figure out the best way to do it. If you've got any input, I'll gladly accept that, but I don't want you hovering over me all the time because it doesn't help with my own productivity. And I think for a lot of people, if not most, that's the case, once again, depending on the work environment. But you should also feel like you've succeeded more if you have given them the tools to do what they need to do and then they can, and then they can do it because like you said, then you can move on and do other things or think of the future or whatever mm-hmm. in this scenario and know that things are still getting done here. Right. Like, and things are being done right. Yeah. So then that's, a, that succeeds and it also helps you to build, you know, mm-hmm. off of that. But something I found, and you kind of mentioned this, but 
I've noticed, and I don't know if I did it on purpose or if it just kind of naturally happened, but I ask a lot more questions now to people in certain situations instead of saying, this is exactly why this is wrong or this is why this is the way it is. I will ask somebody why, you know, you know, in, in as nice a way as possible, mm-hmm. ask, you know, so why, why did we do it this way? Right. How is this way more beneficial than doing it this way? And then see what kind of answer they can give me. If they can't give me anything, or even if they think they have a solid answer and they give me a solid answer, but I don't really, you know, it, it's not registering to me as a solid answer. You know, I can still come back with, well, you know, why do you like, wh- you know, why do you think that that is the beneficial way to do it? Or, mm-hmm. you know, so, you know what I'm saying? Like the, you can compound questions on top of questions to still make them feel like they're involved and not make, not just tell them, listen, that's wrong. We're going to do it this way because I said, we're going to do it this way. Yeah. And the more, the more invested they feel, the more invested they're going to be into you. And you're also, well, you're giving yourself a chance to learn as well mm-hmm. because they may have a really good idea or, or yeah. what they're doing may actually make a lot of sense, even if it's just for their particular circumstance. Like if they're the one doing the work, it's not the way I would do it, but it, it sounds pretty good for, for them. It's like, it's working good for them. And I, I find that in training too. Like if you're training somebody, even like you're side by side training somebody on something, I try to do a training style where I'm like, listen, this is the way that I do this. If you can find a, a way to do this faster and mm-hmm. still get the same result, that's great. That, you know, and, and I would even learn from that possibly. Mm-hmm. But this is the way I do it, so this is the way I'm going to train you to do it. And you're going to have some people who are like, well, I want to do exactly the way you do it because that's the way it, you know, that's the way it's done. And those people are kind of maybe the people you have to micromanage a little bit, you know, because they don't, they want to do it exact. They want to do exactly what they're told and go home. That's kind of what they want. Right. Versus you have some people who may right off the bat be trying to figure out different ways of making this faster and getting the same result. And those are the people you're probably going to be pushing up the rankings a little faster because they're the ones that are really thinking Mm -hmm. about how can I benefit, how can I benefit? How can the company benefit? How can we, you know, do things better? Right. So always trying to improve. Yeah. Yeah. And I, what we're talking about here for the most part is just having conversations with people, yeah. having discussions, you know, and the benefits that come from that. And, yeah. you know, it, it's not a discussion if I say you need to do this this way and, and make sure you do that and that and, and don't do it any other way. That's not really a discussion yeah. like what you were talking about. Well, why did you do it that way? And then having that that back and forth um, to see where it comes to see what grows out of that. I think that's that's a that's a sign of a of a, a true leadership style, mm-hmm. you know, because a leader doesn't come in balls to the wall usually and, and just take over and, and assign everything that needs to be done. You go in and you have those conversations, you know, you, you, you work as a team. And what I've found oftentimes is that, cause I mentioned earlier when something does go awry because of the nature of my position, I don't catch a lot of heat because of that, unless it was, you know, directly, my fault, which there are some instances where that could be the case. I've never had any problems as of yet, but also, you know, because of the, the, on the flip side of that, you also don't, and I've learned this and and I've, I've grown into it. You also don't get like when something goes really, really well, you don't get the accolades either. It's not like, you you don't get a lot of pats on the back. Good job. What you get though is over time, like things have been, the system has been working well, it's been running and it's recognized especially by the superiors, the powers that be, they recognize that they haven't had any major mishaps or they haven't had to come in and fix a bunch of mistakes that you made or something like that. You know, but when what I've learned is when you're doing a good job 
as a leader, and this includes as a parent too, the the people who you're leading, they feel efficacy. They, they feel self-confidence for themselves. They, they feel like, so they're not going to say, Hey, thanks James for all that work you did for me. They're going to, they're going to be proud of what they did. And they're going to be like, Hey, look what I did. Mm-hmm. And you've watched them grow this whole time. And you're like, good job. You know, it, it's not about, you know, because of, I, I think, I guess I had some expectations of, of my leadership style kind of being a little more, um, like people would be, I guess a little more grateful for that because of, of the nature of it. It was, you know, kind of, a a nurturing type of approach, so on and so forth. Uh, and maybe I was just selfish for thinking that would be a part of it, but I've learned that that's, it's, it's the opposite. You, you watch people grow and develop and be self-confident and that is the reward. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that's it, you know, and, yeah. and, but it's, but it's awesome to see that. Right. And our, our children, you know, like I said, that, that's the same way you want to see them grow and develop and be self-confident, autonomous people, not having to rely on daddy to, you know, micromanage them all the time and tell them what to do. You want them to make their own good decisions. Right. But there's a comparison there between adults and kids too. Like, you know, some people need that. Like they need you to tell them, Hey, that you did good there. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, that if you want them to continue to put effort in and the effort they put in might not be, they may not be doing it right, but if you can still, still be able to see it, they're putting in the effort because you're, you know, you told them they're doing a good job or whatever, you know, Uh, and you can form somebody that way. Mm -hmm. Not, I mean, you you know what I mean? Like it, it, that can be a bad thing too, but yeah, I mean, it, but you know, kids are the same way, you know, kids need the, to be told good, great job. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they need to be told all these things just because it's an adult. Some people might look at that and like, you know what, you're an adult. You shouldn't need people to tell you that you're doing a good job. You know, especially when it comes back to what I was saying a while ago is like, you're, you're paid to come into work, mm-hmm. you know? And I used to think that way is like, you're paid to come here, do, you know, do the job you're supposed to be, you're supposed to do. And then go home because you're, that's why you're here. That's what the company's giving you is money so you can live to be here, mm-hmm. you know, but that's not just, that's not all of it. It's not even close to all of it. Yeah. No. And you're right though. But I think that those people that you do have to reassure a lot, which I give a lot of reassurance anyway, just because I, I just think that's part of being a good leader. I just like to do that. Yeah. I just like to remind people, Hey, if nothing else, I appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate your work. Yeah. It's like, and we're going to continue to build and to improve on, on the on the, exist, the existing you know systems and structures that we have. Um, but those people that you do have to reassure a lot, those probably aren't your future leaders either. Right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Even though, like I said, I, I guess I, I I had a misconception about where the where the appreciation would come from because my superiors appreciate me for what I do, mm-hmm. you know, and then I appreciate people, you know, that, that I consult you know, and, and manage. I appreciate, you know, I show my appreciation to them for doing the work that they do. And so it, it's supposed to trickle down, although I do shoot it back up sometimes too, just to let them know that, hey, I appreciate right. the opportunity for this position and, and the creative freedom and, and so on and so forth. Anything that I do appreciate them for, I let them know every great once in a while, but that's not as important as it going down. Right. And I want to make sure that those folks, because it's an investment, and it, it's not it's not very costly to me at all, right? It doesn't cost me anything to say, you know what? I appreciate your work. I appreciate the effort that you're putting into this. Mm-hmm. You know, that costs me absolutely nothing but a couple of words, a couple of breaths, and the investment can go a long way because, like what you were saying, it builds them up. It builds them up, and it, and it motivates people, and it, it increases their productivity, increases their their desire to do a good job for you. And it's so easy to do. I think a lot of people, especially those who use the authoritative style of, of leadership or just straight up authority, they miss the point on that. And they, and they, they lose a lot of opportunities to develop people and to increase, uh, 
whatever it is that they're trying to produce. Right. So yeah, it's good stuff, man. I, I like that you went through that training. That's a good topic. And um, who knows, we might revisit that again down the road and, and see if we've made any uh, adjustments or any more growth in our own leadership. And yeah, I've got, I got more training coming up too Sweet. for the next like eight months. So perfect. Be good topics to throw into the mix. I'll be looking forward to it because I, I love that topic. And it's something that I've actually invested myself into um, leadership. And I was, I was raised to, you know, be a leader and not a follower. Um, haven't always done great at that growing up. Sometimes I did become a follower and didn't really even realize it. Um, but I, you know, today in, in my, my current life, I feel like I put a lot of time and effort into trying to be a, a good leader as much as possible. So right. love it. Yeah. Good stuff, man. For sure. So I guess we'll see if the world does in fact burn down this Wednesday. And I guess we're going to go see if Kansas city is in fact beating the asses off of, um, Cleveland. Well, right? I'll, t- I'll tell you this. If, uh, the world burned, nobody's gonna hear this. <laughs> Touche. So <laughs> touche. Maybe we just send it up into the into the cosmos and just shoot it up to a satellite or something. It'll it'll shoot around somewhere. Somewhere. Yeah. I mean, some other planet down the road will pick up the CEP and be like, "Hey, these guys were." I don't know. It's, <laughs> I'm not sure what they were. <laughs> they talked a lot, but I don't know if they really said anything. <laughs> they just talked in circles. I don't know. Right. Leader. What leadership? Mm-hmm. What? What does that mean? Thank me to your leader. <laughs> All right, man, we're out. We're out. Thanks again to all of you out there, the CEP listeners. Remember that word of mouth feels like a rewarding day of leading the fold for us. So don't forget to tell your friends and fam about the great variety that you hear right here on the CEP. Subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you consume your podcast to keep the variety coming straight to your ear holes with the automaticity. And also on that note, when you do go to Apple Podcasts, it would help us immensely if you would give us a five-star rating while you're there to show your love for the CEP. And speaking of love, we love it when you give us all your love on the socials, so be sure to go on the socials and show us some love. And be sure to visit the launching pad for the All Things Cerebral, the new and improved launching pad, I should say, for All Things Cerebral at thecepodcast.com. And of course, if you need to contact us, you can do that at cerebral at thecepodcast.com. Don't forget we have merch at buyjack.com slash CEP. So get online and get your CEP network gear today. And that's all I've got, folks. So until next time, be sure to keep those big, beautiful brains of yours nice and warm out there. We'll see ya.